0: Would you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10? We're going to be in verses 25 to 37. We've been looking at what Jesus says about prayer and money and possessions. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at what Jesus says about loving your neighbor, what it means to be a neighbor, how to treat the marginalized around you. Today, we're looking at a very familiar parable in the Bible, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, And gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help us by your Spirit. Pray that you would help us avoid trying to justify ourselves. And that you would help us hear what the Spirit is saying through your Word. May we be the neighbors that you have called us to be. May we love our neighbors as ourselves. So teach us through your word today. Help us and change us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Now, I don't want you to think of a lawyer standing before the court downtown. I want you to think of a doctor of theology, an expert in the law, an expert in the commandments of God. He knew the law, he knew the minutia of the law, and he was trained in explaining the law. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He gets one thing right. Eternal life must be inherited. It must be received. But we could do nothing to inherit eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift of salvation that comes by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said to Jesus, or Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? In other words, how do you understand what the law says? And the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and your neighbor as yourself." Quoting Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. He knows the law. And Jesus said to him, "'You have answered correctly. "'Do this, and you will live.'" See, he presses the law on the lawyer. "'Do this, and you will live.'" The purpose of the law is to expose our sin, to show us that we are not law keepers, that we cannot keep the law. It's a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ, the one who kept the law perfectly, the one who lived a sinless life, the one who died a substitutionary death in the place of sinners, and the one who was raised again on the third day, proving that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father And sinners could be reconciled to God through the sacrifice of the Savior. See, the law is to drive us to Christ. The law exposes our sin, shows us that we cannot keep the law. James says if we break the law at one point, we're guilty of the whole law. One point. The lawyers question, who is my neighbor? Implies that he believed that there could be individuals or groups of people that would not be considered neighbors. Now, it was very common among the Jews to think of their neighbors as themselves, as Jews. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves and forgetting what it says about sojourners and all of the other demands of the law. The word for neighbor means one who is close, near. In the Old Testament, it could be friend or fellow or fellow man, and really that's what it means here, one who is near, a fellow, a fellow man. Religious people are constantly trying to limit their responsibility under the law. All in an effort to justify themselves as actually living up to God's standards. That's exactly what the lawyer's doing. He's wanting to limit the responsibility under the law. He's wanting there to be people out there that are not considered to be neighbors. That way, he's justified as keeping the law. See, the reality is we know we don't keep the law. So, we build a case, and it's usually by lessening the responsibility of the law, limiting the responsibility of the law. In Matthew chapter 15, Matthew says, the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. That's what the law says. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. And Jesus says, so for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. See, religious people are constantly trying to limit their responsibility under the law all in an effort to justify themselves as actually living up to God's standards. But Jesus, however, faithfully sets forth the radical demands of the law. He explains the law, what it means. You've heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, you shall not lust, or you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, even if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Jesus gets to the heart. He explains the radical demands of the law. He doesn't lessen our responsibility through semantics and behavioral loopholes. He heightens it through addressing the heart. See, the proper response to the law is not justifying yourself, but humbling yourself. The purpose of the law is to show sinners their need for a savior. And the real question is not, who is my neighbor, as the lawyer asked, but rather, what does it mean to be a neighbor? And am I being a neighbor to others. The message is entitled, what it means to be a neighbor. That's what we want to look at. And that's what this parable is about. There's three things that I want us to see about what it means to be a neighbor, and the first one is this. Number one, a neighbor sees people as individuals who are made in the image of God. Look at verses 30 and 32. Jesus replied, "'A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, "'and he fell among robbers, "'who stripped him and beat him and departed, "'leaving him half dead. "'Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, "'and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side.'" So likewise, in the same way, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now this is scandalous. You see, the priests and the Levites were those who had been consecrated. The priests were sons of Aaron. And they were the ones responsible to make sacrifices, to make atonement for the people of Israel. And the Levites had been given to the priests to help them in all of the the liturgy and all of the worship practices that had been prescribed by God, and they had roles and responsibilities in attending to the tabernacle or the temple. They were the ones who taught the law of God. Remember, it was Ezra who stood up and taught the Word of God, and the Levites were there with him, explaining what was being said, explaining the law. And so, what you see is these two groups of people are the ones who know the law, and they're supposed to love the law, and they're supposed to love the people, and model applying the law before the people. And yet, you see a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho on a desolate road where it was common to be taken over by robbers. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And he says, now by chance, and what he's saying is that this is a desolate road not many people are walking by. It's kind of like driving between here and Augusta. We always tell our kids, avoid that road, go a different way because if you break down, nobody's gonna be passing by. And this road is like that. Nobody's gonna be passing by, but by chance in the story, the parable, a priest was going down that road. But when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in the same way, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. This is scandalous. But a neighbor sees people as individuals who are made in the image of God. The assumption in the story is that this is a Jewish man laying on the side of the road, these are pre, this is a priest and a, a Levite, Jews. Would they not take care of their fellow man? But they didn't care. Whatever their issue was, whether they were too busy, had an appointment, they couldn't be distracted, whatever their issue was, they had an issue. They didn't see this person as having worth and value, and being made in the image of God. See, a neighbor sees people as image-bearers, fellow image-bearers, who are worthy of honor and respect, who are worthy of time and attention, who are worthy of care and concern. And really, this is the starting point, Do we see everyone around us as fellow image bearers of God who are worthy of honor and respect who have inherent dignity in the fact that they've been made in the image of God? It doesn't matter where they've been, maybe even what they've gotten themselves into. It doesn't matter. They're image bearers of God and they're worthy of care and concern. You see, a neighbor doesn't see people as a burden or an inconvenience. He doesn't look over or look past or ignore or treat others as if they're not there or they don't exist. And in the parable, the Levite and the priest treated this man as if he wasn't there, and he didn't exist. They looked over him, looked past him, ignored him. See, a neighbor doesn't pass by on the other side of the road, or on the other side of the sidewalk, or on the other side of the hallway in school, or on the other side of the sanctuary. Now I know right now, you are just like the law, you're justifying yourself. Well, well, the person that I walked past on the sidewalk, I had good reason to walk by on the other side because they had gotten themselves into that mess and I couldn't, I, I, whatever the excuse is, we start making excuses. You know that I'm not the only one who does that. Is that true? You do it too? Okay good because we're all prone to come up with reasons why we looked past somebody, why we treated somebody in the room as if they didn't exist or they weren't even there. We look over their heads. We don't engage them in conversation, look in the eyes. We look over. See, a neighbor sees people as individuals made in the image of God and worthy of honor and respect, care and attention. They're fellow image bearers. Number two, a neighbor overcomes prejudices and brings down barriers with a genuine heart of compassion. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews. And the radical nature of this story is that this Samaritan, who it would have been normal for him to pass by because Samaritans don't deal with Jews. In fact, you would expect a Samaritan to walk by and spit, not move towards and care and have compassion. But a neighbor overcomes prejudices and brings down barriers with a genuine heart of compassion, and when I mean prejudices, I'm talking about cultural prejudices, economic prejudices, racial prejudices. See, the heart that is filled with compassion moves towards people and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people are saying, what you should and shouldn't do. You move towards people as other human beings who are made in the image of God. See, we need to let mercy overcome all of the prejudices, the ones that are recognized and acknowledged, but also the ones that are unspoken, the ones that are hidden deep in the heart that no one sees but God. We need to let mercy bring down the barriers that have been put up. Whether through our experience, in our culture, there are barriers that have been put up that are worldly and fleshly, but mercy overcomes. See, a neighbor is someone who is near. And the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. See, We're to treat our neighbors the way that we would want to be treated. That's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How would you wanna be treated in the circumstance that you're in? That's how you treat others. And we need to stop making distinctions as if some people are worthy of our attention and others are unworthy. As if some are deserving and others undeserving. And if we're honest, we're constantly making distinctions in our hearts. We need to remember the Gospel. That we were corrupt Corrupt to the core. We may not have been as bad as we possibly could have been, but we were corrupt to the core, dead in our trespasses and sins. And God had mercy on us and moved towards us in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were undeserving, unworthy, and yet God saved us because of his great love for us. So stop making distinctions about who's worthy and who's not worthy. We were unworthy and God had mercy on us. So we treat others with mercy too. A neighbor overcomes prejudices and brings down barriers with a genuine heart of compassion. And I would say, motivated by the gospel. Number three, a neighbor sees people in need and moves toward them with care and compassion. A neighbor sees, sees the need and moves towards people in need. You saw the priest and the Levite move away and yet the Samaritan moved towards the man. Verses 34 and 35, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he, gave, he took out two denarii. A denarii was a, a, a day's wage. And gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, usually the cost of an inn was about a twelfth of a a denarii. So he gave him plenty more. And he said, whatever else you need, I'll provide. In order to care for the man. See, he, he sees and he cares and he does whatever he is able to do to alleviate the suffering of another person, whatever he's able to do. There's a willingness to serve and a generosity to share that you see in the Samaritan in the story. He bound up his wounds, pouring on him oil and wine. He was serving him, caring for him. He set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He took out two denarii. He provided for him. A willingness to serve and a generosity to share. See, being a neighbor will cost you something, no doubt. It may cost you time. It may cost you money. It might even cost you your reputation. We don't associate with people like that. But a neighbor sees people as made in the image of God and moves towards people in compassion because they have, they're worthy. They have inherent dignity and they're worthy of respect. They're worthy to care for and to pay attention to. Again, we remember the Gospel. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he, <clears throat> that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. Jesus laid aside His glory and came to serve to seek and to save the lost, to serve. A neighbor sees people in need and moves toward them with care and compassion. The problem is so many times we see people, but we don't see their need. We just see them, but we really don't see them. I wanna ask some questions for personal application as we close this morning. Number one, do I try to lessen the impact of the Word of God by making excuses and trying to justify myself? Do you find yourself doing that? Well, it can't mean that. (laughs) Look at the Sermon on the Mount. Well, it it can't mean that, and Jesus presses it further and further. The demands of the law, righteousness, holiness, perfection. And again, the response to the law is humility, not trying to justify ourselves, but remember religious people are constantly trying to justify themselves. And you might find yourself even today as being a religious person. So ask yourself, do I try to lessen the impact of the Word of God by making excuses and trying to justify myself? Or do I look to the Lord for help in obedience to the Word of God? to receive the Word as what it is, the Word of God. Not trying to change it, lessen it. Just recognize that apart from Christ, I'll never obey the Lord like I should. Apart from the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit, I'll never walk in His ways the way that I should. So I can stop trying to justify myself. Be humble and look to the Lord for strength to obey. Number two, do I really see people as made in the image of God? And you may be thinking of someone as you're walking through the park. And that's good to think that way. But you need to also think about those who are walking down the hallways in school or those who are in your church family, who are sitting on the other side of the church that you never speak to. You never acknowledge their presence. You don't see them. You don't see that they have needs and emotions. That they need to be cared for and loved. You don't see the intrinsic worth, the intrinsic value in the other person. Number three, do I recognize the needs of the people around me? Are you even aware of the people around you and what they're going through and what their needs are? So many times we're so self-absorbed, we don't even know or care what anybody else is going through but a neighbor sees and recognizes the need and in compassion moves towards other people. Number four, do I look past people in the street, in the hallways, in the church? Do I overlook, do I treat people as if they're not even there, they don't exist? Number five, am I moved by compassion when I see people in need? Does the need draw forth compassion in your heart, in your soul? We always see this with the Lord Jesus. Seeing someone in need and he was moved with compassion and he moved towards people you might ask yourself, am I moved? Do I care? Does it affect me? But finally, number six, ask this question. What is it that hinders me? What is it that hinders me from being the neighbor that God calls me to be? Is it prejudice cultural, economic, racial. Is that hindering me from being the neighbor that God has commanded me to be? Is it pride? Seeing that you're thinking of yourself as better than other people, you're not gonna stoop down to serve? Self-importance? Or maybe it's stinginess. Maybe it's being stingy with your time, stingy with your resources, and that's hindering you from being the neighbor that God has called you to be. Jesus says at the end of the parable, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor or behaved like a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And it very well could be that the lawyer would go emulating the Samaritan and trying to do likewise and finding that he falls short of the command of God maybe it would be that the law would drive him to the savior, the one who had perfect righteousness, the only one who could save. And maybe you feel the weight of the law today. You've stopped trying to justify yourself. You see the law for what it is. It's righteous. It's right. It's perfect. And you realize today, you can't live up to God's standards. And that's why Jesus came. To save sinners like you and me. Lawbreakers like you and me, who could not save themselves. But only Jesus can save. And maybe today, you would look to the Savior and find forgiveness and reconciliation and a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you would help us obey your word to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be the neighbors that you've called us to be, to stop making distinctions and justifying ourselves and lessening the the demands of the law. I pray that we would walk in obedience, knowing that no one could be justified by the law, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. But looking to Him so that we would live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.